Blog Talk Radio. And the podcast on iTunes. This is Fanatic Radio, America's premier sports music program. I'm your host, Mike Gardner, flying solo and wanting to wish this great nation a very happy 4th of July, as it is a time of celebration for many across the country. And hope everyone is enjoying their day off, as well as the World Cup that is currently going on, kickoff of the Brazil Colombia game. Just got underway. That is the second of four quarterfinal matches. Germany, Das Mannschaft already put, punched its ticket into the final four per se. Their fourth straight World Cup semifinal. A very interesting feat, but of course, no surprise that the Germans were able to win 1-0. A very confident side squeaking by Algeria in the first round, nevertheless, a set-piece goal, playing to perfection, the right spot at the right time. Michael Gardner's pick looking just that much better to take it all the way. They face the winner of Brazil-Colombia, a very exciting match. We'll keep you updated as the episode is currently going on. My partner, B-Flow, is chilling in our nation's capital. Hopefully, he's going to see the capital fourth. I had the prestigious honor of Seeing that a couple of years ago. Very interesting experience. Get to see the concert on the mall. The fireworks above the Washington Memorial, which is officially complete, by the way, because all the scaffolding from the earthquake a few years ago has finally been taken down. But for some fans, a team that made an early exit out of the World Cup, the United States, uh, I want to first off say congratulations to them on a very successful World Cup campaign. It's not easy when you can say you're one of the 16 best squads in the world, but the United States did fall into Belgium 2-1. The Belgians face Argentina tomorrow. And a lot of, as soon as the United States exits the World Cup, the criticism begins. What happens to Jurgen Klinsmann? Did he bring the right roster? War is doubts. Could he have done better against Belgium? Why do we lose again? Why didn't we win the World Cup? And, and all the expected. First of all, this team didn't wasn't even picked to make it out of the group, and they did. I even said on my BFO360.com World Cup predictions the United States was going. Needless to say, I did not say they would beat Belgium last week either, or on SAC Radio's World Cup show with Nick Papadis. So the Belgians just too fast, and sure enough, Roman Lukaku came on the bench in extra time and proved to be the catalyst of the two goals. Though we did lose... So there were some downsides, one being that the MLS is still miles behind the rest of the world as guys like Matt Beasler and Graham Zuzzi was very shell-shocked out there against the Belgians. Pretty much the whole World Cup for that matter. Certain players had their moments. Certain players didn't. 
and possibly that Clemson overtrained us was a criticism, which could have been, considering Josie Altidore got hurt. But there's also some positives to take away. In 10 days, according to his agent, Matt Beasler will find out if he's going to either the Bundesliga, the EPL, or staying with Sporting Kansas City in the MLS. I hope he goes abroad. Clemson says play with the best in Europe, and those two leagues that Beasler is being targeted for are simply the best. And then it goes La Liga, Liga, Serie A, Italy. That Beasley needs to go over. Considering he's an official starter, and many are having DeAndre Yedlin as a possibility, Julian Green, those two should go over as well because they are full of youth and players that need all the experience they can get, especially at a young age, especially Yedlin and Green playing in the situations that they did. Very interesting that those speculations are coming up. When you see Matt Beasler go, we'll keep you posted on that Fanatic Radio. Brazilian superstar Kaká officially joined Orlando City this past week, making him the first designated player for the new franchise in 2015. Very excited for that, to see one of the world's greatest. And not only that, but he can bring a lot of social media clout. He is one of the highest Twitter follower accounts in the world, has over 2 million followers. No, excuse me, almost 20, almost 20 million followers. And now he is going to Orlando City, which is fantastic. You have him, David Villa, Tim Cahill, Terry Henry, Robbie Keane. This is great. The MLS is slowly on the rise. And don't worry, it's not, you know, it's not a team of retired players. Because it was retired players, and these guys would have been retired for quite some time. Both these guys want to finish their career in the United States to help. Kakab said in a Yahoo Sports article and in, a, in an article with Pro Soccer Talk, NBC Sports, NBC Sports, it's a quote in Europe, the players speak a lot to come and play with America to other players, I think they show the American League is a nice place to play. Great weather, good atmosphere, a chance for them to sort of relive the glory days of whooping up on the MLS players. Rightfully so. Looking forward to it. Kakar goes to the MLS. Frank Lampard is rumored to also be going. That being said, Kakar was boys with one of the owners of, the minority owner of Orlando FC. So, you know, it worked in the 1970s. Pele, Franz Beckenbauer, every one of the good European players had uh, interest in coming over to play. So, keep an eye out for that. Soccer fans, this is not the end. This is not the, the beginning of the end. It's the, uh, not the end of the beginning. It's, it's the, uh, the beginning of good things, a sign of good things to come because uh, good players are on the horizon and soccer is still just something that's not every once every four years. So I might uh, take advantage of the, the MLS snatch near ECU. Hopefully the media can do the same. We, we certainly do our best part to uh, plug soccer as much as we can on this show. And doing so, it's, uh, it's great seeing the country sort of get engulfed in this American euphoria starting from when Clinton Dempsey scored that 30-second goal against Ghana to Julian Green's goal to the United States, proudly walking off the pitch. Tim Howard, 16 saves, World Cup record against Belgium. Fantastic. 
Jermaine Jones on his Instagram account. He possibly has some interest going to the MLS. We'd love to see him in a United States uniform. It's him and Howard, the two best players that played every game. And then Fabian Johnson is right up there with Clint Dempsey. The fact that Johnson was carted off in the 30th minute against Belgium. Disappointing World Cups, though. The MLS players, Graham Zuzzi, Beasler, Michael Bradley, wasn't very good for them. The question goes, where does your cleansing go from here? He needs to convince his current players to go overseas. But then he needs to continue to pursue the uh, European-Americans. Because that's the future of U.S. soccer, unless something is done with this youth system. Which who knows? We could be seeing a new age. I was already seven minutes in. Thiago Silva has scored for Brazil. So in a must-win game for the Brazilians against Jaimes Rodriguez, it is the Brazilians striking first. Could possibly set up a date with Germany, a rematch of the 2002 final, in which Brazil got the best. The World Cup's going on, get matches tomorrow. Beeflo and I will break down the semis leading up for the World Cup final on July 13th. Also, FNAC Radio's second-to-last World Cup show will be next Tuesday at 3 o'clock Eastern where Nick Tapitus and I will break down these past matches of the weekend setting you up for the semifinals. Speaking of Nick Tapitus, he got in touch with his boy. Justin Scoggins is on the card this Sunday, July 6th in Vegas for the UFC's Ultimate Fighter 19 finale. 9-0 mixed martial arts, 2-0 UFC record for the South Carolina native going up against Justin Ortiz, 13-3 mixed martial arts, 2-1 in UFC. UFC, excuse me. Monday night on Fox Sports 1. Nick sat down with Justin, who is live in Vegas. As he getting ready for the fight of his life on national television. I am joined here today by Justin Scoggins, uh, third youngest UFC fighter on the UFC roster. And I would just go ahead and like to preempt this with Justin is one of the biggest upcoming prospects in the flyweight division. How are you today, Justin? I'm doing really good, man. I just got done doing a little workout downstairs here at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, I'm feeling really good. My, my weight's on point for weigh-in tomorrow, and you know, now it's just a matter of you know, waiting it out, sweating the rest of the weight off, and then you know, beating this guy up. So we're just going to go through a couple questions. Uh, where did you, where did your calling for MMA and the UFC come from? Well, it, it's been a lifelong dream for me, a lifelong goal. Uh, I started. I was introduced into martial arts when I was three years old. And uh, I fell in love with it. Uh, it's always been, it's, you know, it's my passion. It's something, you know, luckily I found my passion at a very young age, which not many people get to do. So as soon as I stepped on the mat, I knew that's what I wanted to do the rest of my life. I've always followed that dream. And I've always been learning and studying and, and not just, you know, trying to learn one aspect of martial arts, but trying to become a well-rounded, uh, a well-rounded martial artist in all aspects on the ground, standing up with my wrestling. So uh, it's always been a passion to be the best fighter. And uh, the only way to do that is the best fighter in the world is a fight for the USP. So, you know, that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm proving, is I'm the best martial artist. 
And how did you get your start in MMA in particular? Uh, well, well, I started karate when I was really young, like I said. But, uh, you know, me and my dad, actually, we started watching a lot of the UFC when I was really young. And it's something, uh, like, the really early ones, you know, no gloves, no whole bars. Nah, it, was, it was really cool stuff. It really sparked my interest. So it was kind of like uh, something something I fell in love with. Uh, so, you know, I think and, uh, so, you know, it's always been something I've always, you know, because USC's been around since I've been alive, so it's always been something that I've had in mind. What would you consider your biggest break so far? Uh, I guess I would say starting with the USC, you know. Uh, I signed with the USC last August, it was, I believe. I was, I was actually signed to fight Justin Ortiz on fight uh, Sunday, but uh, the fight got scratched, so, uh, and I went to Australia and had my first UFC fight, which is really cool and a really learning experience. I got to I got to go into somebody else's hometown, my first fight on the other side of the world, and really test myself in the uh, water. Who have been your role models as you've developed as a fighter? Uh, I've had a lot of role models. I mean, growing up, one of my first role models was Stephen Thompson. He was my first karate instructor and a guy I really looked up to. Uh, of course, I've always looked up to guys like George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva just because of what they've done for the sport and how good they are. Uh, as far as fighters, I really, you know, I watch a lot of Muhammad Ali, Roy Jones Jr., uh, guys with, guys with good movement, guys that are, that are athletic and versatile and, you know, are, are exciting to watch. And how would you describe your fighting style? Have you modeled your style after anyone else? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say modeled in particular. What, I mean, what I try to do is, you know, this is mixed martial arts. I try to. I don't want to try to change anything I, or, or model after anything. I try to add. So you know, if I go to a new gym, if I if I train with somebody new, I'm always just trying to add to my style, add to my style. And you know, luckily over the years, I've I've been around the best martial artists in the game, and I've and and I've met a lot of really really cool people, and a lot of really good fighters, and you know, I've added the stuff of theirs that I really like. What are the advantages and disadvantages of, fl- of fighting in the flyweight division? Uh, I'd say the advantages, I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm bigger for this weight class. Uh, I don't cut a, a bunch of weight because I, I diet pretty well, but I am I am one of the, the biggest guys in the weight class, the strongest guy in the weight class, so that's definitely an advantage. Uh, I'm, as far as disadvantages, you know, I don't really have any disadvantages, I'd say. I'm really, I'm, a, I'm just as fast as anybody in the division, I'm stronger than anybody in the division, so... You know, it's, it's nothing more good for me. And where do you see yourself in the future? Uh, being world champion of the UFC. You know, I mean, you know, that's that's where I know I'm headed. I'm, I'm not even I'm not gonna play in caps. On, you know, on greatness, uh, on how good I'm, I'm good I'm gonna get, and on, on the goals that I'm gonna reach. I just know that I'm gonna be the best me I can be, and I know if I continue to do that, there's there's no telling how far I'll go. And that'll do it. Thank you, Justin. Uh, Justin's fight will be, uh, is it tomorrow, Justin, or is it Sunday? Sunday. Uh, it'll be Sunday, July 6th, on the Ultimate Fighter finale, and you're fighting Justin, and you're fighting Dustin Ortiz? Dustin Ortiz, that's right. Fox Sports 1 on Sunday. Well, thank you again, Justin. Nick Papadis with Justin Scoggins, the uh, South... Carolina Slammer himself, uh, part of UFC's Ultimate Fighting, uh, part of UFC's Ultimate Fighter Sunday night on Fox Sports One.
He is on the card for the uh, the main title, Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn, live from the Mandalay Bay's Event Center in Vegas. Should be very exciting to see a personal friend of Fnatic Radio's own Nick Papadis take to the mats and hit the octagon as he tries to keep his perfect UFC record intact. So we'll take a quick break. When we come back, Rich Peters of Boston University sits down with our track correspondent, the notorious Ian Lutz. Stay with us. You're listening to a very special 4th of July edition of Fanatic Radio right here on Block Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio. I have no decision-making capability on this program. That's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio is America's premier sports music program. It's an essential part of our society, like hot dogs and Cadillacs. With Mike Gardner and Ben Florence providing unique insight from the wide world of sports. He should just retire so we can dip him in bronze and ship him to the Hall of Fame. Playing only the hottest music. The only thing we ever play on the show is Motown and R&B. And always striving for perfection. We're climbing the ladder to success, escalator style. Yes! See for yourself. Check out Fanatic Radio only on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, hey, hey. 
It's as good as it gets. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. Here on Fanatic Radio, America's Premier Sports Music Program, Mike Gardner bringing you a very happy 4th of July special episode. Hoping everyone can get out there and grill some good barbecue, beer and brats, whatever you do, celebrating it the right way. I am here at the, uh, the Fanatic Radio studios, Deflo in our nation's capital, celebrating with John Williams and Michael McDonald and everyone, and Tom Bergeron on the mall. Uh, once again, you can listen to the podcast. At B5360blogtalkradio.com slash fanaticradio or go to iTunes, listen to Justin Scoggins. Uh, he begins his, uh, his quest to be the best in uh, the ultimate fighter for UFC, putting his perfect record on the line. He takes on Ortiz in uh, Ultimate Fighter 19 Sunday on Fox Sports 1 in Vegas. And catch the interview with Nick Papadis. Uh, next week, B-Flow returns. We'll finish our two-part series with Hall of Fame basketball coach Gary Williams as he discusses his time at Maryland, who made a very unique switch this week going to the Big Ten along with Rutgers, thus sad, and beginning the slow demise of college organization of the NCAA as we know it. That's for another episode. We'll quickly roll into our next interview featuring Ian Lutz of Inside Track. He's our FR Track correspondent. Sat down with Patriot League Male Athlete of the Year, Boston University's own Rich Peters. To start training for the Commonwealth Games. And, man, you're one of 129 athletes alongside people like Mo Farah. What does that mean to you? And I know you'll probably be able to answer this better after you run and explain it more, but what, what does that mean to you to be able to represent your country? I mean, it really is the biggest honor that you can get, you know, and this is England specifically, too, because a lot of other competitions, if you're a British citizen, you'll represent Team GB, you know, like the Olympics is Team GB and the World Championships is Team GB, but this is actually England itself, and no, I mean, I'm I'm so excited to get a chance to do that. I mean, all my friends back home that I've ever met is now like, oh, I know this guy, you know, that's the classic thing that happens when you when you go to this level, um, yeah. but no, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. It's very humbling to be a part of all those all these nations, like, competitions, too, you know? It's just, yeah. like, it's going to be a huge meet. And I don't really know what to say, like, or how to prepare for it right now, because I just don't know what to expect. <laughs> will you will you see some races with guys that are going to be at that meet um, before you take the Commonwealth Games? Potentially, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm planning to try to run some meets in Europe, like in Belgium, because they have a, a couple faster races there, so I want to get my time down, because it's also European Championships this year, and the qualifying time for that is 3.37.5, and right now I've run 3.37.6, so not okay. this season, but last season, so I can definitely do it, but it's a case of getting the right race, so I potentially could race these people in Europe somewhere, nice, but nice. I just have to wait and see, really, but I mean, it's just you- like any other race, but the, the bar is really raised, you know, these people are all extremely good and the best in their country. So just like NCAA, but with a deeper field and some some faster guys, really. <laughs> yeah. 
Are you looking ahead to the Olympics at all, man, or are you just taking it one step at a time? I know you have a year left of eligibility, but uh, are you looking ahead for that at all? To what a pro contract or something? Yeah, you know, further representing England or Team GB in the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics is always a big aim, and I mean, I seem to be on the right path right now. I'm getting faster each year, and I know I have a lot more to, to come. I'm, I'm not, if I'm completely honest, I'm not the most, I wouldn't say dedicated person, but I don't do everything that I should do, you know what I mean? I kind you of, I kind like, of don't do stri- stones and stuff like that, but... You don't do your stretches after you story, run? But I don't know. I, I got a lot more that I could do to be at the top of, of my, like, abilities. So, no, I'm looking forward. I mean, once I'm out of college, I can be very serious about it if I pursue a pro career. But Team GB Olympic Games is the ultimate goal, and I'll do everything I can in the next two years to try to make that happen. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what are What are you doing, man? Are you skipping your stretching after runs, or? Yeah, I don't stretch. I don't think <laughs> I ever stretch. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I've always heard have a routine and stick to it. So maybe, uh, maybe you're good without stretching. <laughs> maybe, but I do get the occasional like injury, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. So you've been in a lot of big races. Everyone, you know, I feel like everyone always wants to know what you eat before a race. I don't want to know what you eat before a race. What is that meal looking like after a big race, you know, after you set the collegiate 1,000 record, after you race NCAAs, after you won your Patriot League thing? What is Rich Peters going to eat that night? Probably steak, big slab of steak, probably 10 ounce plus at least. You know, you can't be doing with this tiny one. <laughs> Ste- steak fries and peas, green peas. Green I love that. Peas. I get it with ketchup, too. People think that's weird here, but that's, that is my move. Really? And some cheesecake, yeah, for the dessert. Nice. Has to nice. be done. That that sounds pretty good. Um, A little, another more or less serious question. What's your craziest running story out in Boston so far? Craziest running story? Let me think yeah, about like, it. Has, have people, you know, like, chased oh, you down? I know, I know some it, crazy things have happened, but I'm struggling to think right now what, what's <laughs> happened. I'm struggling here. I know there's been something happened. Man, I've, so I run, uh, I run in DC all the time, and we've had people like cab drivers chase after us, uh, people in trucks turn around and be like, you kids, like, can't be running around here if I, see you around here again like it, there have been some wild things that have happened that is weird not so much stuff like that happened here i'm just trying to think what's happened on group runs yeah yeah you know like the long run you know something wild yeah nothing really crazy has happened the only funny thing that really happens commonly is we go to lexington which is obviously where loads of british soldiers died so we get stick on the run there but i don't know oh. what's happened which is funny uh that's, that's a toughie that is <laughs> Do you have any problem with the altitude in Albuquerque or, you know, have any plans to train at altitude this summer? Train altitude in the summer? Yeah. No, I don't typically do that, actually, no. I I don't really get much of a chance to do that. I know a lot of people go to, like, Flagstaff and things, but in England, it's not a very high country anyway, you know. Unless you travel somewhere, you can't really do that. But I I won't be doing that. I mean... It's not like I don't think it works, because I know it works, but it's more just training at sea level seems to work for me, and I know if I'm putting in a good amount of effort, I'll get 95% or higher of the gains I would if I was at altitude, you know? 
I mean, it works for aerobic fitness and that ability to have strength, but I think when it comes down to an 800 or a 1500, it wouldn't do too much. So. Did it make I mean, you? The 15 is when it starts to actually have a have a benefit, but right. Did it mess you up going to Albuquerque for indoors? Oh, the altitude there definitely definitely affected me. I mean, the prelim, I went into it like, okay, it's not going to affect me at all. I'm just going to get in there and, or at least I didn't think about it too much. I just got in there and, and went for it, and I felt great. And I also done a workout before the race and felt great. But in that in that final when Lowy took it out, 600 and like 120. Five or something, which is probably worth 123 at sea level. That hit me hard. Like the next lap was was pretty painful. And I knew that I was being put into a debt, which I probably couldn't pay back in that race, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I suffered at the end, and I got kicked by Max Fleet. But no, it definitely has a big effect on you when you're when you're up in that top effort. And uh, so, when you go to these big meets, I know you probably don't have too many teammates coming with you, do you find yourself, you know, just warming up, running alone, or do you, like, do you call on Galen, you know, hey, Galen, I'm out at the NCAA, like, you want to go for a run? Like, what is, what do you do for that stuff? I mean, I'm pretty good on my own, actually. I do a lot of training on my own here, too. I mean, I've been working out solo for, I don't know, two and a half years, probably. I do the occasional one with people, but I don't really do too many with anyone else even when I go home I'm like that so I do okay on my own I mean I do a lot of running with people but it's always tough I mean I think you, you can train harder when you're with someone because you're getting pushed but yeah, yeah I, I, I don't go to NCAAs with too many people really I mean Katie Matthews is there for, for distance and Rosa was there this year so I do run it with them when they are but no it's day to day grind I don't really have too many people to work with shamefully gotcha gotcha what is the best, this will end you on this, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Um, it can be related to running, it can be outside of running, something that you you use in your head and your, it gets you going. Um, motivation. I don't know, I guess when Rupp told me that it's just hard work, that was pretty motivational, you know, because it got my head around the whole idea that you've just got to be passionate and you've just got to keep at your goals and I mean, goal setting and being passionate are the two most important things if you want to achieve them in life for sure. But I also heard a line once, which was, it's not the world that hurts you, it's your expectation. And I think that was always resonated with me quite a lot, you know, because if you expect too much from something, you, you're going to get hurt, you know, but you have to, you have to like balance the two ideas. You need to set a goal and know what you're capable of and, and try to push that and try to go beyond that. But, just know that you are only human, you know, so you can't be Superman every day. You can't, you can't do these crazy, crazy things all the time. So, so no, just hard work and goal setting are the two key things, I think. If everyone does that for themselves, whatever their, whatever their skill set or whatever their abilities, you'll, you'll reach what you can. All right. So we have this little game we want to play with you, a little rapid fire questions. You ready for that? If I can hear you, I'll do it, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So here's the game. Uh, it's a rapid-fire question round. We're going to try to get as many questions as possible in. We're going to go with your mile PR, man, 356. That's how long we're going to take for this. So I got a well, list. That's a of... long time. Yeah, I mean, depends on how in-depth you want to get into these. So uh, there's some tough questions in here. 
<laughs> All right, if you're ready, we'll uh, we'll start the clock here. All right, ready, go. Yep. What's the last meal you ate? Oh, Chipotle. You want me to tell you what it was? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it was mixture of white and brown rice. I had the vegetables, you know, they have the grilled vegetables with chicken and the medium sauce is lettuce. Oh, yeah. What was your first race ever? Uh, it was a cross-country race when I was about nine years old, and I fell over, done a four somersault, and won the race in a record time. I didn't know how that happened. <laughs> I was nice. so small there. <laughs> Brand of shoes you like the best? Probably Adidas. Wow, I'm so European, aren't I? <laughs> Favorite track to run at? Uh, BU Indoor. How could I say anything other than that? Yeah. Blondes or brunettes? Brunettes, I think. Um, US or UK? Oh, that is, that is evil. I'm gonna say US. Ooh. Someone's married. Short shorts or half tights? Oh. Short shorts. Cross country or track? Track. That's not even a question, is it? <laughs> Have you ever used your accent to get you a date? Not a date, but I've certainly used it to my advantage before, I'll say that much. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you uh do you embellish it a little bit? Do no, you like no, really pour pour it on? you so you just go with however your voice sounds. I'm not like going up to girls and be like, Oh, how are you doing over there? <laughs> Um, what's a female runner you'd be scared to race? Female runner, did you say? Yeah, female runner. You wouldn't want to race. Katie Matthews, my teammate. I wouldn't want to have sex, would I? <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, who is, well, who is your favorite runner? My favorite runner? Yeah. Um, I probably have to say... Mo Farah, because he's really gritty when he's running, you know, you can see how much effort he's putting in, the guy's crazy, so no, I'd say Mo Farah on that one. Nice. If you could go on a date with any professional female runner, who would it be? Go on a date with a female runner? Sorry, it's breaking up a little bit. Yeah. Um, God, that's tough too. I don't know, I once met Abby Augustino, and she's a very nice girl, so perhaps that. I nice. don't know. Uh, no idea. What's your favorite hobby besides running? Um, I used to play a lot of soccer, but obviously I can't do that anymore. My favorite hobby... I used to actually play a lot of video games too, but... I don't know. I just like a very social character when I'm not running. You know, I love to just hang out with people. I don't really necessarily do a specific thing. I like photography. There you go. Photography. Favorite member of the Beatles? Oh, God. Paul McCartney, that's the only one I can name on the spot. I'm terrible with the <laughs> Um, What's your current ringtone? Um, vibrate. I don't have ringtones. They're, <laughs> they're not, they don't fly up with me. Favorite personal record? Um, 337 to 15. She's talking about PR. Yep. Uh, biggest upcoming goal, and we'll end on that question. All right. I want to get to the final of the Commonwealth Games and be really competitive with these guys. That's my main aim this year. So, nice. Go nice. for that. All right, man.
Rich, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. We'll look for your results in the uh, the Commonwealth Games. We'll be rooting for you for sure. Also, we look forward to seeing you back at BU for your last season next year and then to see, you know, where running takes you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Don't worry. That's for that radio zone. Ian Lutz, host of Inside Track. It is Ian's new adventure into the world of podcasting. Very exciting. That was uh, Rich Peters from Boston University's very first guest. Hopefully Ian can snag some more to give us a little bit of an insight on the uh, the wide world of running, life in the fast lane. Interesting enough, Rich Peters, uh, Patriot League, Patriot League Male uh, Athlete of the Year, has voted on by a Twitter vote. And, of course, he's um, Rich Peters from BU. He holds the college 1,000-meter record, which is a fantastic, a great accomplishment. He's originally from England. And he is representing his country in the Commonwealth Games. But you can also check out the rest of that whole 30-minute interview with uh, Ian Lutz at blogtalkradio.com slash inside track. How about that? Shout out to Ian Lutz. Hope he's doing well. Holding down the Fort in Durham, North Carolina. Hopefully I can see him soon. Hope he's having a good 4th of July. Hope everyone else is having a good 4th of July. Lucky. Let's talk some b-balls. Current basketball news, nothing really at the sword. Big three is still going through such a whirlwind. Carmelo Anthony had his talks with Houston and the Mavericks. I'm surprised Dallas is in the hunt. Apparently he's also in the hunt for LeBron James, so best of luck to Mark Cuban if uh, if he can snag one of those big blockbusters. Already got Tyson Chandler and Dirk Nowitzki signed for a three-year deal. Things looking good. Another thing, a bone I want to pick, though, with the NBA, not only the NBA, but a certain person in the NBA. Uh, most of you who haven't followed sports is uh, Jason Kidd, who is one of my personal favorite basketball players of all time. Great court vision. You know, the shortest guy I ever have a triple-double and have almost 100 of them. The king of assists. And apparently got a three-point shot. B.E. Flo would be the first to tell you had no three-point range at New Jersey with the Nets. And then all of a sudden he comes to Dallas and he's raining threes like crazy. So he played at the Mavericks, won a championship. Left to go play at New York. Fair enough. Go to the Big Apple, end his career. Sort of close to the same area where he played in New Jersey. Got a DUI. Things started going downhill for Mr. Kidd. Played, did not play a lot with, with the Knicks. He was hurt. Retired. So what did he do his first job out? He coaches. Coaches the Brooklyn Nets. Seems like a good idea at the time. It was immediately a bad idea. I'm not on this, this wagon of former players immediately going to coach. I understand that guys like Tyrone Liu take a couple of years off to become assistants to then rightfully earn their head coaching jobs. That's why I don't think Derek Fisher will do anything with the New York Knicks. And Jason Kidd barely survived out of a pretty bad Eastern Conference with a team of pretty solid players despite their age. Had no idea what he was doing. Yeah, the Coke and the, the spilled soda incident. This guy was all over the place. But he led his team to the playoffs. Miraculously, with a sub-500 record and in a god-awful Eastern Conference, Jason Kidd led the Brooklyn Nets as a six-seed. Beat a third-seed Toronto Raptors. And then he gets to play the Miami Heat, a team which they beat. They swept in the regular season. Unfortunately, they lost four games to one. And the Heat went on to lose in the NBA Finals. So Jason Kidd looking pretty high up. 
has some good returning players. The truth, surprisingly, Kevin Garnett, if he's still around, Sean Livingston. Of course, Sean Livingston is going to the Warriors. That's a great act, uh, pickup for the Warriors in light of the whole Kevin Love talk, Clay Thompson issues, which people and I had last week. So what does Jason Kidd do, though? He leaves. He leaves the Nets. Okay, what's Jason Kidd going to do now? Rumors surfaced that he was going to be the general manager or have a front office position with the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know where this came from. I don't know why he would do this. Kid is so power-hungry and so insane that he goes from coaching. And as long as you're in the Eastern Conference, you'll pretty much have that, that conference at a chokehold, unless you're Frank Vogel and the Nets, uh, the Pacers, excuse me, or the Miami Heat, whatever happens to, to that team in South Beach. Teams that were in the playoffs most likely will probably do well again. The Wizards got Gortat back, which is great. Hopefully they can get some free agents. I wouldn't see if the Wizards are making big offseason moves like that. I think they're fine with what they have. Toronto, they recently Kyle Lowry. He was a guy part of their playoff team. Third best in the East, I might add. I don't understand why Jason Kidd went to Milwaukee. And the funny thing was the the Bucks they just dropped their head coach Larry Drew who had been on the job for thirteen months. And since they couldn't promise Kid a front office position, they were like, Hey, let's just make him head coach. It's it's stupid, it made no sense. So now Kid goes from from a, a solid Brooklyn Nets team. You know, in which in which it's a it's a, a franchise that could easily be built. You have the backing of a major metropolitan city. You have a, a Pretty brand new stadium. Still a lot of interest in the city of Brooklyn. You currently own New York as you made the playoffs. The New York Knicks did not. And he bolts to Milwaukee. It's a stupid decision on Jason Kidd's part. I don't know what he was thinking. And I, don't, I mean, if he stays in Milwaukee, it's fine. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to get Lionel Hollins, and rightfully so. More, um, and of course, the Nets and the Cavs are uh, thinking of you know, Marcus Thornton, Jarek Jack swap, which could be interesting. And Cavs, speaking of, as I mentioned, of Tyron Lue being an assistant, now he was an assistant with the Houston Rockets under Kelvin Sampson. He was with Doc Rivers, and he stayed with the Boston Celtics. The Cavaliers have narrowed it down to Lou and Maccabees and Israel Maccabees' own David Blatt. So it'll be interesting what they do there and how much of an influence that could be in possibly moving some cap room for LeBron James to come back to Cleveland. Who knows? Uh, Packers' new shot to Ben Florence, Jonathan Franklin's to retire. After his rookie season because of neck injury, if football is on the downside. And the Warriors are willing to part with Clay Thompson in order to get Kevin Love. So B-Flanine's predictions might come true. Final few uh, minutes on the show. Snack Radio is telling is going to tell you some uh, interesting things to do uh, and going for the rest of your summer as it's the 4th of July besides having a scrumptious barbecue and spending time with the family for this long three-day weekend. The video, uh, the movie was already out by critics, but on August 8th, Andre Benjamin, a.k.a. Andre 3000, will star as Jimi Hendrix in a biopic called All Is By My Side is Fantastic. It, it uh, received critical acclaim South by Southwest in the Toronto International Film Festival. It stars Hendrix and Hallie Atwill as Kathy Etchingham, Hendrix's beloved love interest, following 
the All You Experience debut album with uh, the Jimi Hendrix Experience. That's going to be a fantastic movie. I saw the trailer. Cannot wait for that to come out. Can also cannot wait for his NWA Straight Out Compton opening cast call starring Ice Cube's son. Possible cameos, cameos from him, Mr. Cube himself. Easy E, little Easy E, Easy E, son is in it. For music fans, that is fantastic. It's gonna be great. You can listen to Rich Peters and Justin Scoggins on this episode of Fnac Radio. Nick Papadis and Ian Lutz is getting those interviews on the front lines. I'm Mike Go Gardner. Catch the podcast on iTunes. Saying so long. We'll see you next week. This is Fnatic Radio.